Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends! Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. I am your host, the president of Chickenlandia. I'm a backyard chicken educator here in the lovely Pacific Northwest. All right, today we are going to talk about predator proofing, specifically uh, predator proofing as the the seasons change, because, you know, there's some things that we've got to consider when that happens. Um, I do have a listener question today that I'm going to go over, and then I will open up the chat for questions. All right. If you want to submit a question to Bok Talk and become chicken famous, get your five minutes of chicken fame, all you have to do is go to welcometochickenlandia.com, go to the contact section, and click, there's a little drop-down menu, and click Ask a Chicken Question. And while you're there, I want you to do me a favor and join the most awesomest chicken mailing list in the multiverse. It is called Chickenlandia Nation. And that is my mailing list. I do not spam. I don't, I don't send out a lot of emails. It's just not, not something that I do. I don't even have time to do that. I don't, I don't know how all these other people send an email out like every day. Like, I mean, I guess if I had like... I don't know if I had more employees or something, I could do that. But I just, I don't like to do that. So I just don't. Um, But if you do sign up for Chickenlandia Nation, you will get a discount for my course, Chickenlandia's Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. And that is an online course. It's super fun. It's interactive. And you can ask me questions and then I, I try to answer them usually within like 24 hours, either myself or uh, my co-instructor, the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor, will answer your questions. So it's a great way to get access to me. And also it's really good if you're a beginner or if you're an interme- intermediate chicken keeper. Um, I'm really proud of it. So you should definitely check it out. All right. So before we begin, I need to make two announcements because... I got to pay those chicken bills. The the winter is coming, okay? (laughs) And if I don't feed these chickens, I may not make it. I may not make it through the winter, (laughs) okay? All right. So as always, I want to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by the folks at My Favorite Chicken. My Favorite Chicken is my favorite online shop to get my feed. They've got Scratch and Peck Feed, which is my favorite feed, non-GMO organic, socially responsible. Um, They've got supplies. They've got 
super fun chicken stuff. They have great chicken treats. That is myfavoritechicken.com, and I will put that link in the show notes and in the description. This podcast was also brought to you by Small Pet Select. Small Pet Select is a small local company to me. They have an online store that I love. Uh, right now, I'm using three of their products. I've, I'm always talking about the pet greens. That's like this little pouch that you can grow sprouts out of and give to your chickens. So great during the winter. I mean, stock up on them now. So yeah, the pet greens, I use their organic pine shavings and I use their oyster, uh, their like flaked oyster shell. My chickens really love that. It's a great website and they have other stuff for your other fur babies. If you've got funny little fur babies running around, you will love this website. (laughs) And I will put that link in the show notes and the description for you. So lately, or since I moved out to the country. I think if you've been watching me for a while, you know that I used to live in the city or the suburb in the suburbs. Um, and I, I just didn't like exercise that much when I lived out there. I did, but you know, I had a treadmill and it just wasn't as easy. Now that I live out here, we've got this amazing laneway that I can like do laps around and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful walk. So I actually try and walk like five miles a day. That has been my thing (laughs) for like, I've been doing it for maybe like three months. Um, and I definitely feel better, but anyway, this isn't an exercise podcast. (laughs) I'm just letting you know that like in the, you know, when I'm out walking, since now I'm out in the County, I see all kinds of wildlife out here. If I'm walking like close to, you know, in the evening time, I will see owls, Um, in the morning hours, I will see coyotes, um, definitely see lots of like little rodents and stuff and squirrels. And the other day I saw, there was like a sandy area and I saw these funny little footprints and I'm pretty sure they were raccoons. (laughs) And I don't, I don't see, like, I don't see raccoons a lot like I used to when I lived in the suburbs. Um, but I know that they're out here. And I think a lot of people, when I talk about, and on my, you know, on my social media, I talk about all the wildlife that I see. And, you know, every once in a while I get a comment of just like, oh my gosh, you know, aren't you nervous seeing all these predators around your chickens? And, you know, it's true that these animals, a lot of these animals, they like to kill and eat chickens. Um, but I am happy to report that no, I'm not, I, I actually don't get nervous when I see them. Actually, I get happy when I see them. And in fact, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that they're here. I I have, you know, my, my coop is very predator proof and my chicken run is also very predator proof. So that helps a lot. You know, I've got hardware mesh that is buried all the way around the perimeter of the run. I've got netting over the run. And of course my chickens are locked up in a predator proof coop at night. Um, so, you know, I, I just love wildlife. I don't think that's a secret to anybody that watches me. And it's not in my nature to exterminate these animals. It's just not. Um, and no judgment. I'm just saying that's just not in my nature. But there is a reason why I actually think that it's very important to have these types of animals around your chickens. And I, <laughs> I, I know that statement really surprises a lot of people. Uh, obviously, you want your chickens to be safe. But what I'm saying is, is that 
it is beneficial for them to be around your chickens. And I have had people get really cranky at me for saying that. Um, and especially after I posted this one video, it's called, um, stop killing predators. Your chickens need them. Or something. I think that's, the, <laughs> that's the title and I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and when I posted that video, I got a lot of comments from people that were like confused and kind of angry at me. And it was mainly because obviously they did not watch the video because they didn't understand what I was trying to say. I, I mean, I will always say your your chickens need to be protected, but there is a reason why chickens actually do better and you will also do better if these predators are around them. You know, we've talked about, or I've talked about a lot, um, about how our chicken yard is, you know, our chicken yard and everything that surrounds it is an ecosystem. Um, you know, everything we do in our chicken yard and around our chickens, it affects the delicate ecosystem that we live in that ultimately, you know, it's like we have our mini ecosystem and then we have, you know, our neighbors have their little mini ecosystem and so on and so forth until you get to like the whole world, which is one big ecosystem. So let's say, and it's delicate, it's a delicate ecosystem. So let's say I decided, you know, I'm just going to exterminate all these animals. I'm going to get rid of all the raccoons that come around. I'm going to get rid of all the coyotes, all the owls, which definitely don't do that because that's against the law, <laughs> at least in the U.S. Don't don't go around killing owls. That's not good. Um, <laughs> and all the other little critters like opossums and, and raccoons and skunks and stuff like that. Um, you know, and these are all animals that will, of course, try to get into would love to get into your yard and eat your chickens. So don't get me wrong. I understand why people feel like they have to get rid of them. And I under, also understand that it's expensive to predator proof. So for some people, it's just like, look, you know, it costs a lot of money for me to like have all this hardware mesh and build this whole palace when I can just let my chickens free range. And then, you know, if an animal comes, I will take care of that animal. But I, ha I have to say that um, these creatures are very important to your local ecosystem. And not just because I, I, I like these animals, but these are the same predators that eat rats and rodents. Okay? So if you eliminate all of them, what you're doing is creating a situation that could become very unbalanced for you, very unbalanced for your chickens, it could affect your neighbors. It's just, you know, all of your local ecosystem. So it, it's, it, this is why I say, this is why I advocate for predator proofing so much because you, you could end up with so much more of an expensive problem. And let me tell you, like once you've got a rat infestation, it is really hard to get out of that without professional help. And that's expensive. Okay. So that's why I say, we should focus on prevention rather than exterminating the predators around the perimeter of our of our chicken yard because in the long run you're going to save money that way okay now of course i understand when people can't afford to predator proof and there are you know i i have a few videos i'm going to link them in the description and i do talk about some some other ways that you can predator proof that wouldn't be too expensive. Um, but it is, you know, that it is expensive. You, if you can 
really make a plan to try and use some repurposed materials that will help a lot. Um, and a lot of times you can find like hardware mesh and stuff on Craigslist. You know, I just got rid, I, this past year got rid of a lot of hardware mesh because it was like left over from when I was building and people are getting out of the chicken business all the time. So you never know what you can find for free or for, you know, secondhand and much cheaper. Um, but anyway, it's not, so what I'm trying to explain is that I care about wildlife. I know I have a bleeding heart. I'm, I'm, not, I'm totally not ashamed of that. My heart bleeds, you know, all over the place for, for humanity, for animals, all of that. But there is a, a very practical reason why I tell people, look, you need to predator proof instead of just exterminating these animals, um, because you could end up with a big problem, which I would hate for you to have to deal with. All right. So with all that being said, let's get to the listener question. And we're going to talk about um, predator proofing through the seasons. So this is from Mel. Okay. Mel says, hello. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you, Mel. I have seen on some of your videos that aviary netting is useful to cover the top of my run for predator proofing. Does it protect the top from raccoons? Our coop is set up next to the fence and our neighbors have several trees next to the shed we converted into a coop. This is a good question. (laughs) I'm concerned about raccoons dropping down from them and onto the roof of our run. That is a very legitimate concern. Okay, because raccoons are smart and they will be, they are around. They will be around. Raccoons are just everywhere um, in the United States. So, uh, you know, climbing animals, they can tear or chew through netting. um, And that is always a concern. Um, Depending on where you live and if you, you know, depending on the type of netting you have, if you have very strong, like industrial strength netting, then it's likely that they will not be a problem unless they have all night to chew through the netting. And then once they get through the netting, they can get to your chickens. Um, Raccoons are by nature nocturnal animals. Um, They're normally shy during the day. So the most important thing that you can do to protect your chickens from raccoons and from a host of of many, many other animals um, is to lock your chickens up in a predator-proof coop at night. Okay? Now, I mentioned before that the the behavior of predators will change during certain types, times of the year. During the winter and the early spring when food is more scarce, and during the springtime when baby animals are being born, like baby raccoons are being born, it is possible that you might see nocturnal animals like raccoons out during the day. Um, and up until a few years ago, I, you know, I li- a few years ago, I was living in a subdivision and I did not have netting over my coop. I just didn't. Um, I thought, you know, I live in the suburbs. Um, there has never been a problem and there's nothing that's coming here during the day. And I locked them up at night and I just didn't think it was be- it was a problem. Well, uh, one year, I think it was like five years ago, maybe, um, I had a raccoon that came in the middle of the day when my child was outside with his nanny. Literally, they were probably like 10 feet away from this raccoon that came into my chicken yard in the middle of the day. Um, And so that day I learned a really hard lesson because I lost several birds, birds that day. And it was really sad. 
Um, so it just goes to show that it doesn't matter where you live. Um, there are predators that will eventually become an issue because there are animals everywhere. You know, there's, there's animals that love the taste of chicken everywhere. (laughs) Even if we don't see them, they are everywhere. Um, so this particular raccoon was probably, it was like, it was, it was snowing, but it was early spring. Um, it was like, it was, it was getting a little, it was getting warmer. So, it is very possible that this raccoon had nur- nursing babies that she needed to feed. And so when they have that, they're definitely more desperate for food and they'll definitely come out during the day. And, you know, they'll kind of tuck their little babies away somewhere and come out and get food. So, yeah, when animals are more desperate, we have to consider that even the nocturnal ones are going to come out during the day and we have to be prepared for that. So I do recommend sturdy, sturdy industrial grade netting that would be very hard for an animal to chew through. Can a raccoon or other animal chew through it? Yes. Eventually they could chew through it. Um, it's possible, but if they don't have all night to sit there and chew through it, then it's, they're probably not going to risk that during the day. Um, so they should be in a predator proof coop at night and, you know, even during times when nighttime predators might be out during the day, it's just not likely that they would risk exposure like that. Um, and even if, they're, even if they're very hungry and have babies to feed, it's just, it's too much of a risk for them to sit outside in the middle of the day and really work on that netting. So you, you will probably be okay with really good, strong netting over your chicken run. Now, that being said, If you live in a deeply wooded area, if you live in a a remote area or in an area where there's just, uh, there's a a lot of like concealed access above your chicken yard, like Mel was describing, like there's these trees above her chicken yard um, and there could be a place where a raccoon might be able to sit there and chew on netting and not be seen. Um, if that's the case and, and if you can afford it, you might consider putting up like a more solid roof on your, on your, over your chicken run or using hardwire mesh, um, over your chicken run and even like doubled up chicken wire, you know, that would be better than, than probably, you know, I don't know. It'd probably be pretty comparable to netting to like strong industrial netting. Um, cause chicken wire, uh, Raccoons can get through it fairly easily. They can rip through it fairly easily, but they're not, you know, it's just, they're not as likely to do that during the day, but it depends. Like I said, it depends on where you live. Um, another thing that you can do, and I got this idea from a friend of mine is, and right now we're getting close to Halloween. Um, (laughs) she actually gets these, um, those like animal animatronic animated, um, witches or ghosts or whatever or spider or something like that so when you walk up to it it moves <laughs> so, so what she does is she just like hangs them around the perimeter of her chicken yard and that actually really helps to keep the predators away because when they walk up here's this thing like singing and moving <laughs> i don't know if you guys know what i'm talking about it's like a an animatronic uh witch or a ghost or something that they sell during, you know, in Halloween. And when you walk by it, it starts to sing or make noise. Um, and anyway, she, that's what she likes to do. And she just keeps them up all year. 
<laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was cute. And it, and it seems to work well. And of course, you know, a good dog is like worth its weight in gold. So, you know, Mel, I hope this answered most of your question. Um, you know, hopefully it won't be a problem for you. Um, my, you know, just my main suggestion is make sure that they're locked up in their coop at night and make sure if you do go with netting that it's very strong netting. And I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. I, I, the netting that I have over my coop, I can't find, I can't find it. Um, it was on Amazon for a long time and now I can't find it. And someone even sent me the link for it. And said, hey, they're not on Amazon, but they still sell the netting. Here's the link. And I lost that. <laughs> so if you're that person, send me that link again. Um, I don't remember the name, you know, the brand name of the netting. But I I think it's Stromberg's that has some good, sturdy netting. And I will put a link to that in the show notes for you. All right. And I, I you know, thank you so much, Mel, for being a part of Chickenlandia. And um you know, if you want to learn more, I will also put uh, a few different videos that I have about predator proofing in the show notes and in the description. Okay, I am going to open up the chat for questions now. Sunshine Time says, we have a dog that watches over our chickens for hawks and other birds of prey when they are free ranging. A dog is so great to have. My dogs are like, I have little dogs and... um they are not good with my chickens. I, I cannot, they're really little, but they will kill my chickens. Um, and they're rescues. And I got them when they were old or, you know, the, almost all of them are seniors. And it's just not something that, you know, probably if I had a lot of time to work with them, I could train them. But I, I probably have to get help too, because I'm not really, I'm not a great dog trainer or anything. I'm more, more of a chicken wrangler. <laughs> All right. Celia Perry asks, what are some good ways to help a chicken during her molt? Um, I have another podcast, a whole podcast about this. And I do, I think I, I have one video about it and I will put that in the show notes and in the description. Um, and, but just, you know, one th the main thing is I would give them a couple weeks of a good chicken vitamin supplement because that would be very good for them. And if it has electrolytes in it, that's even better. Um, just to kind of replenish some of that that they've lost, that they're losing during that time, uh, give them a nice little boost. Um, definitely check for mites and lice during the time when they're molting because they are very vulnerable during that time. Um, and then you can give them a little bit of extra protein. And I just say a little bit because I think people tend to really, really do a lot of protein during that time. And too much protein can give your chickens a bit of a, a digestive issues. So um, it is, you know, in moderation. And if you don't know, I have um, something called the, the Chickenlandia Chicken Food pyramid. And on the bottom, it has, you know, the, their appropriate feed. That's the bottom tier of the pyramid. Whatever their appropriate feed is for their age, which would probably be layer feed. So you want that, that to be the main, you know, the main source of their diet. And then above that would be like healthy um, kitchen scraps, um, sprouts, greens, stuff like that. 
And then at the very top is treats. Okay. And so you would have like, um, healthy proteins at the very top. Okay. But you don't want it that to be like the majority of what they're eating. You want to keep everything balanced. Um, but when they're molting, it's nice to give them a little bit of a boost. And I, you know, scrambled eggs is a great one. It's, and you know, my chickens, hopefully there's, there's, some of them are laying <laughs> because when they're molting, they're not laying. But scrambled eggs is a really good one. You can give them like unsalted, um, tuna or salmon. Um, and then of course I like to do grubs and mealworms and stuff like that. This is fun. Okay. Lee Archer has a question. I lost two bantams to hawks two weeks ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. That's so hard. I put up two fake owls, a fake crow, and lots of shiny discs. No more attacks the last two weeks, but am I kidding myself? (laughs) Well, Lee, um, you know, it's, it's hit or miss with that. I think some, you know, sometimes it can be successful at least for a little while, but these, these birds are smart and I've, I've had like, I used to have a farm store and we had a lot of chickens that were around the farm store and we had hung up some CDs to keep the hawks away. And I remember one day just seeing a hawk sitting right next to the CD. (laughs) It was literally like hunting, just sitting next to the CD that was hanging. So, you know, stuff like that, like hawk tape, um, which hawk tape is just like really shiny tape, like foil kind of tape, um, and CDs. I think they can work in a pinch, but nothing is going to work well as, um, either getting yourself a farm, a good farm dog or putting netting or some kind of covering over your run. Unfortunately, it's just one of those things. Um, and you know, I even had a hawk come when I lived in the suburbs and I had never had that problem because I was like, I didn't even see hawks. And then one year, the same year that the raccoon came, um, they cut down a bunch of forests nearby. I, I lived next to a big, a big, you know, hill, I guess you could call it a mountain. Um, and they had cut, they had done some clear cutting and that year we had hawks, we had a bobcat, we had, you know, coyotes around and we had that raccoon that came and it's just, you know, their environment got disturbed and so they came. So if I were you, I would think about, um, doing something additional, you know, to keep those aerial predators away because once they find out that the buffet is there, they will come back. They will like it never fails. A loud, another thing that could help uh, Lee is a loud radio on like talk radio, like put a radio out there on talk radio um, because talk radio is annoying and everyone hates it. (laughs) Unless you're the one listening to it and you're into it. (laughs) Even Hawks, they don't like it. So Lauren Tatum asked, at what age do roosters get fully grown spurs? Um, you know, I'm kind of stumped on that one. I would say probably about by a year they would have their spurs. But I will say that um, uh, Philippe did not. Philippe is my rooster. Um, he, one of my roosters, he did not have spurs for like the first four years of his life. And this year he started to get spurs. 
So I don't know what's up with that. Maybe if um, the Chickenlandia presidential advisor, she probably will know more about that than I do or than I can come up with right now. So if you have anything to add to that, Kelsey, can you uh, let Lauren know? Sunshine Time asks, how can I stop my chickens from pecking their eggs? So I'm assuming they're pecking them open and eating them. Um, and the first thing I will say when everyone, when anyone says, Hey, I've got egg eaters in my flock, I will say, uh, where, where's your, where's the nutrition at? Like, let's, let's evaluate the nutrition that your chickens are getting. Like start there. Um, are they getting enough feed? Are they getting the proper feed for their, their stage of life? Um, do they have enough protein in their feed? All, All that stuff. Um, is it nice and balanced? Are you following that chicken landia chicken food pyramid? Um, I would start there. And then obviously if you have a chicken, like if you've caught one with egg on its face, <laughs> I bet you that's where that comes from. <laughs> if you catch one with egg on its face, uh, separate that chicken and, you know, Put it in, put it in another area where you can take the eggs away really quickly. You can put some golf balls in there and hopefully that will kind of break them of that habit. Um, I would collect eggs two to three times a day and put some golf balls in the nesting boxes. And hopefully what will happen is they'll kind of, they'll keep trying. And when they don't get that reward, it will kind of, um, you know, wean them off of that habit, hopefully, but start, start with their nutrition. And then if you can find the culprits, remove them because you don't want them, um, giving the other chickens any ideas anyway. Um, Cordell Garrett asks, how deep should deep litter be? Um, I mean, I think it can be as deep as you can manage it. Like at a certain level, it, it will, it will begin to be difficult for you to turn it. Um, or it might be. And at that level, you probably should, you know, remove it and put it into your compost area and start over. Um, the main thing that I've found with deep litter is that you really need to make sure it stays turned. And I can't completely depend on my chickens to do that. Like a lot of people would say, well, just let your chickens turn it, you know, throw some treats out, let them turn it. But my, I found that my chickens weren't turning it enough and I was ending up with some imbalances in the deep litter and having some problems. So I had the most success with it when I was turning it myself. And I think if I had let it get like really, really deep, then it would be hard for me to, to turn it in a, in a satisfactory way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't let it get so deep that it's unmanageable. Um, and uh, you know, of course you need to clean it out at least once a year. Some people do it twice a year. Um, and what I do is I will do it in the springtime after, after the winter and then, um, you know, start over again. And then during the winter time, it, it should be nice and warm and really have some good composting material in there. Um, but this year I had to stop doing it because I got lice. <laughs> not, not me, <laughs> not this year. I didn't, I didn't get lice. I have had them before. We're learning all kinds of things today. <laughs> 
Okay, well, the chicken presidential advisor says it depends on the bird and the breed. So she's talking about um, uh, that question about spurs earlier. Um, you know how when they're when they're full. You know when are they at the, in their full glory with the spurs? Uh, most should be grown in by eight months to a year old. Yeah, that's what I figured. But some breeds grow faster or slower. And then there's Philippe that waits four years. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, Philippe isn't doing all that great. Um, you know he's. He has always been ill. He's been ill since his first year of life. Uh, he's had chronic illness um, for a really long time, years. And uh, it's been really hit or miss with him sometimes, but he's had a really good year. Um, but this last couple of weeks, his comb has been really purple. And I can tell like that's a sign that something is not right. And I took him to the vet and the vet really was like, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's anything that really can be done and that he, you know, he seems okay. And I'm like, well, I know he's not okay, you know. Um, but I can understand like I don't think there's – I don't really think there's anything that can be done. We we did train him for parasites just in case. But – um I just don't know how much longer I have with him, but that he's fooled me before. There have been so many times I thought I was going to lose him. Um, so who knows? But right now I'm, I'm just like kind of bracing myself because I just love that little guy, even though he's awful. <laughs> he's a terrible rooster. Where uh, Sunset Farm, Ohio asks, where can we get the Chickenlandia food pyramid? I have um, if you well, you can learn about it if you take the course. I talk about it a lot in the course. Um, I think I have a video about it. I will look and see. I can't remember. I, I know I talk about it in a couple of different videos, um, but I don't. I don't think I have a video that's like, you know, specifically where I talk about it. Um, but I will look and if I can find one, I will link that in the show notes so that you can check it out. But it's, I mean, it's fairly simple. It's just, it's just, you know, mostly their chicken feed. The next tier is the, is, you know, healthy treats, you know, mostly vegetables, you know, green is best, uh, low sugar fruits. And then at the top of the pyramid, you have the treats, okay? And the reason I created it is because I see a lot of, you know, there's chicken uh, educators that are like, um, you know, only feed chicken feed, which I think is, I, I just, that's just not my philosophy. I, it's just not a very sustainable uh, practice in my opinion. Um, and, and I also think chickens need fresh feed. That's what they've been eating through, through, you know, the millennia <laughs> throughout the millennia that we've had them domesticated. Oh, and then there's also, you know, there's also some educators and this is not like hate towards any educators cause they're all great in my opinion. Um, but you know, there's some that are like, here's the measurement of what you need to give your, <laughs> you need to feed your chickens. And when I think about, you know, humanity, uh, you know, having chickens and having them domesticated and having the sustainable relationship with them, we have, you know, just instinctively fed them what we waste, what we tend to waste. And I, I believe that the practice of feeding your chickens, the practice of taking care of your chickens should not be something that's really super stressful. It really needs to be something 
that is part of your second nature and in a moment for you to like not stress out about stuff and not be trying to like take measurements of something. So I just wanted to keep things really super simple and just have you think of it in terms of like, let's keep it as balanced as possible. And so that's why I created the the Chickenlandia food pyramid. But it's a very simple concept. It is not like... (laughs) It's not like uh, anything really complicated, but I'll see if I can find a video where I talk about it and um, I'll put that in the show notes for you. Okay, one more questions, guys. Uh, Celia Perry asks, do you have any tips and tricks to keep nest boxes clean? What do you use inside your nest box? So uh, funny you should ask. (laughs) I actually use a product from my favorite chicken. Um, they are nesting box pads that I, I buy regularly and they have, um, herbs like the nesting herbs in them. And so they smell really good (laughs) and I buy them and I find that they last like about a month. If I, what I do is, and it's just like, it's straw, you know, and it's in a, it's, it's just in, in a pad and the pad is disposable. So you put it in the nesting box and, um, if I remember to take them out and kind of, you know, shake them a little bit, like if there's any poop on them, I'll just shake it a little bit and put it back in. The poop usually just comes right off and they will last a while that way because it will get expensive if you like replace them every week or something like that. So I find that I can make them last about a month. Um, The key is to you know, if you have broodies in there, they're going to, it's going to get dirty. You know, uh, they, I, they really try not to poop in the nesting boxes, but sometimes they do. And when a broody poops in the nesting box, it's like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> like the worst. <laughs> and then the other thing is if you have chickens that sleep in them. And I, you know, I have special needs chickens. I have old chickens. I have silkies and frizzles and they're the worst offenders when it comes to sleeping on the floor or sleeping in a nesting box. And so I do end up with poopy nesting boxes and I just deal with it. You know, I just, like I said, I'll, I'll really try and keep an eye on them, try and try and get the poop off of them. Um, but it is one of those things. And the main thing is you try trying to keep chickens from sleeping in the nesting boxes. So if you see them in there, you know, you can take them out and put them on the roost. Make sure you have enough roost space. Um, you know, try and think, you know, why is this chicken sleeping in the nesting box? Do they need an alternative place to sleep? Are they getting bullied? Are are they sick? Um, are they broody? <laughs> is it a silky or frizzle? Uh, you know, all those things to consider. And if you can keep them out of the nesting boxes at night, that's like the main thing to keep them clean. That's the main thing. But you don't need to buy anything to put in the nesting boxes. You can use, honestly, you could use like old towels and put them in there and wash them. And that would be really sustainable. Um, I know some people will put um, like leaves, dried leaves in the nesting boxes. Right now there's tons of dry leaves outside. <laughs> um, so you can do that. Um, and of course you can put like straw or, um, shavings in your nesting boxes. But I, I use the nesting pads because I, you know, I have a relationship with my favorite chicken and I just love their products. So that's, that is one of the products that I really like that I buy consistently and I use consistently. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I am sorry. I know there were more questions, but I just could not get to all of them. Thank you so much to my moderator and co-producer, Kelsey, Kelsey Paulus, also known as the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing these, this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. Folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to give me a thumbs up if you're watching here on YouTube. Um, you can also, if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, please rate and review it. That really, really helps for, um, you know, my podcast to get, to get into more people's ears, which is what I want. <laughs> is that, is that a saying? Like, I want this to get, <laughs> I want this podcast to get in your ear. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> uh, but the main thing I want to remember, the main thing I want you to remember is that you are always welcome. In Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.